We're going to talk about how that faith is a firm persuasion. When you're in faith, you are firmly persuaded that God is who he says he is and will do what he said he would do. And if he says he's given you something, you're firmly persuaded that you have it. So go to Romans chapter 1. We'll just launch off here today. And we're just going to give you just a big injection of how to walk by faith. I cannot tell you the magnitude, how it burns in my heart to equip believers to walk and be equipped and strengthened by the word of God so that they can walk in the word and, and fulfill the plan of God for their lives. Do you know we're living in a world, we're getting very close to the end of the church age. So things are getting magnified. Darkness is magnifying, but it won't magnify as much as light. And, and where we find ourselves right now, the church finds itself in the biggest battle that it's ever fought. And we look like we're really weak and carnal and self-centered and, and all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you, this is a time of acceleration. And God is more than enough. And you're going to see the church prevail. Darkness will not prevail. The church will prevail. Amen? What's been happening is the culture of the world has been affecting the church. But that's shifting now. It, it needs to go back where the church is affecting the culture of the world. And so how, how we do that is being equipped with the word of God. So as you hear things from the word of God and you grow, you make a decision to grow, what will happen is the word becomes a lamp to your feet. It will tell you right where you are. It will show you maybe that, wow, I'm just all about myself. You know, when you're all about yourself, you just miss so much that God wants to do in your life. But it'll also, God doesn't just show you where you need to make adjustments. And we're living in a time, guys, where people are so asleep. Believers are so asleep. They'll sit in church and they just don't see things because they're up to here with themselves and their life. You know, and, but that's changing. So what, what happens, though, is God doesn't just show you where you are and maybe you need to make some changes and, and do some things. He always gives you the answer. So he always tells you, he tells you, or I should say it this way, he leads you where you should start moving. And so that's why the word is not just a lamp to your feet, but it's a light to your path. Because, you know, there's some big things going on in the world and God needs to... He needs some of his children to go focus in different areas, get in their place and, and do what he's called them to do. Do you know for you as a Christian, he wants to lead you on where to get your groceries, on where you get your gas. He wants to lead you where you go out to eat because he wants to connect you with people that need Jesus, that's your fruit, amen? So let's look at this, Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, the word of God tells us, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. Why? For it is the power of God 
unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, which is everybody else who's not Jewish. You know, don't read that and go, gosh, I'm not Jewish and I'm not Greek. I'm, I'm really bummed. No, no. The Greek means everybody else, right? For Now look at verse 17. For, for therein, what does that mean? For therein, in the gospel of Christ, right? In the gospel of Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As you walk by faith, the, as you walk in the word of God by faith, it says it reveals the righteousness of God. It reveals it. Your whole life is to be literally an advertisement for who Jesus is. Whether you're speaking or whether you're not speaking, right? And it says here, as it is written, the just, that means those that have been declared righteous, shall live by faith. Now this word believes really interesting. For everyone that believeth. It's the power of God to everyone that believes. John 3, 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish and, but have everlasting life. And we think of the word believe as, yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe Jesus died on a cross for my sins. I believe that. Now, I'm, not, I'm still going to live my life. I'm not changing but I don't want to go to hell, so yeah, I'll pray a little prayer. And, and see, it doesn't work that way. The word believe literally has within the word that when you say, Jesus, I believe in you, that means the whole underlying content of that, of that Greek word means that I am committing my life to you. That I am literally taking my life, the ownership of it, and I'm giving it to you, and then I'm taking your life. And how do I take his life? By confessing that Jesus, you are my Lord. Right? So when a person does that, that's when the power of God in the gospel of Christ changes everything about that person's life. But, but a person where Jesus is your Lord, it's really simple. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then I'm going to do it. And when you're committed to him, you don't play this little game that I'm all that. I mean, do we have some wonderful worship gifts? Oh my gosh. But you know, none of those singers could sing if God didn't fill their lungs, which belonged to him with his oxygen, right? I mean, the Bible says this. It says, what do you have that you have not received? The answer to that is nothing. And if you have received it, the word of God is going, why are you acting like you didn't? Like, wow, I'm all that. See, the I'm all that, that'll get you in trouble 
because we live in the valley of the shadow of death and I'm all that means I'm doing things based on what I can do. But life will bring you to a place where you get in a place where you're facing something bigger than you. But when you live life in Christ, now it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Well, what does righteousness look like? Well, in righteousness, you're fixed and immovable, Isaiah 54 says. It, so, so what that looks like is you can't be moved. It, mean, it, it looks like no weapon, nothing that comes at you will prosper. No tongue will, will ever affect you. No words will affect you. You'll condemn them. Righteousness looks like my children are taught of the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. Right? I mean, that, that if they get in a, a bad accident, they're going to come out of it. Right? Because of their father knowing his authority in the Lord. That the enemy can't steal things. But if he's ever stole things, he's got to bring them back. Right? So this is what this means. So now, let's look at faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is. The first thing you've got to realize is faith is always now. It's always right now. It's not, it's not I, I can't have faith to be healed someday because faith is always now, right? Now faith is the substance. This Greek word means the confidence, the realization of things hoped for. And now we've got to look at the word hope. You know, if you bought a lottery ticket, I've always told the Lord, man, that, you know, I, it would be awesome if you just give me the numbers and I'll, you know I'll do the right thing with the, with the money. But he's never given me the numbers. And it's really hard to win when you never, I, I, yeah, I think you've got to buy a ticket or something. You, you know, it's really hard to win. But sometimes people will buy a ticket and they hope that they win the $500 million, right? You know, or whatever it is. But what they're really saying is, well, I may win, I may not. I started this business and I hope it works out, which means in the world it may or it may not. But it doesn't mean that in the Bible. Bible hope is a joyous, confident expectation. So when God says he's given you something, it's done. It's yours. You own it. So faith literally will give substance to the thing you're hoping will happen or for a Bible hope, the thing that you expect. If you have sickness in your body and you're believing God that you are healed, as his word says, then just, you know, you already have laid hold of your healing. You're, you live in expectation right? Not if it's going to happen. No, no, God said, Jesus bore this sickness and carried this pain and he redeemed me from sickness and disease. So this sickness can't stay in my body, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence or the proof 
of things not seen. Well, what do you mean things not seen? That's things not perceived with your senses. So you could say that faith is for things that are not yet and things that are not seen. Faith gives substance to those things. We learn from the word of God that everything we see was made by the unseen. It was all made by the word of God. This is why in Psalm 107, 20, he said he sent his word and healed them. Right? So this, it's, it's, it's interesting. The amplified version, I like what it says here. It says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see. So this is important. Faith gives substance. Now faith, literally you could read it this way. Now faith is the confidence, the realization of things expected. Faith is the proof that I have what I can't see. Faith is the proof that I have what I can't see. Well, see, that doesn't make sense to people because they're thinking natural. Faith is not natural. Faith only comes one way, and that's from hearing the word of God. Right? So this is very, very important. Faith is the evidence that you have what you can't see. So now in Romans chapter 10, it says this, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks this way. And then it says this, say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above. What does that mean? So believing in Jesus means that you don't ever need him or look for him to come down to earth and do something for you. You're like the centurion. Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. You've already spoken the word and that's good enough for me. Right? That's what this is talking about. See, people are looking for God to heal them. But God already has provided healing for everyone. Verse 7, Or who shall ascend into the deep that is to bring Christ up again from the dead? But now in verse 8 it says, But what does the righteousness which is of faith say? What does it say? The word is near thee. Right? Well, when you're in faith, you realize the word is near you. What do you mean by that? It says it right here. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So now we're starting to see that God's word is to dwell in our heart and be coming out of our mouth. This is how we walk and live by faith. This is how whatever we are believing God for that he says he's given us, this is how substance will happen. It does you no good 
if you've got a debilitating disease, it does you no good. Your healing is in the, in the unseen realm. It needs to be in the seen realm. Well, how does it come there? Your faith gives substance to it. Right? In the same way, when God says, light be, now, the way it works with us is God says, be healed. Right? But that's not enough because he can't violate Jeanette's will. She's got to say, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. The word of God is a two-edged sword. One edge is what God says. The other edge is what you say. That's why you must only say what God says. So this is very, very important. It says here, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now it's going to give us an example. That... If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, in the literal Greek it would say, if you'll confess Jesus, you are my Lord. Right? In other words, Jesus, I'm inviting the influence of your Lordship in my life. My life is no, no longer my own. The Bible tells us to worship God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to him. Think about that in relation to healing. Have you ever told God that? Father, I just believe that I receive my healing in your body. Father, isn't that crazy that Satan's attacking your body, which I'm in? Actually, which we're in. Right? You know what he says to that? Yeah, you're right. Right? And then he looks at Satan and goes, boo. <laughs> right? If you'll confess with your mouth and if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So uh, see the, the heart and mouth connection. The mouth connection. If you want to know where you're at, listen to what you say. It says here, verse 10, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says it the same way. It says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We believe and therefore speak. How you walk in faith, how you walk to where you're fully persuaded is, is you have to be believing in your heart and confessing out of your mouth. Right? Not just believing in your heart and getting in a quiet room and worshiping God and worship music. No? Now if you want to hit on all cylinders... Get in a quiet room and have worship music that declares. You know, Daniel Eric Grove is coming here, the, the guy with the beard, right? What is it with all these male worship leaders that have beards? <laughs> but Daniel, you know, when his wife was diagnosed with cancer all throughout her body, they, they were believing God, and in a moment of time, he was getting ready to lead worship in a, to a very large number of people, 
And God gave him the song. Have you ever heard it? Healing is here. Right? I can't sing or I'd, I'd, I'd ruin it. But, you know, healing is here. Right? Boy, I'll tell you, it's amazing. But they saw cancer eradicated out of her body years ago. But God gave him a song that declared, healing is here and I believe it. Right? Kind of like that song we sang today. God said it. I believe it. God said it. It is done. Right? So let's jump over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 22. I love these verses because they give us probably the most concise, just the concise teaching, most concise teaching Jesus ever did on the operation of the faith of God. Very simple, very, very simple, but we need to look at this again. So Jesus curses a fig tree. You know the story. He curses a fig tree. They go into Jerusalem. They come back. No doubt all the disciples were looking at the fig tree. It's still green. They go to Bethany, probably at Lazarus' house, spend the night. They come in the next day, right? Over 24 hours later, they're walking by the tree, and Peter goes, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away, dried up from the root, right? And then Jesus, it says he answered all of them because they were all kind of blown away by this. Because if he would have cut the tree down, it would have looked, it would have looked still alive. You know, all the trees that have fallen down, have you noticed they still have green leaves on them, right? But this one was dried up from the root, showing that the power of God, when Jesus spoke, it went right to the root of that tree and killed it. Why did Jesus do that? Number one, Jesus never allowed never allowed lack in his life, and neither should you. As he's talking to them, he's telling them how to get all lack out of their life, how to remove every mountain out of their life. Why else was he doing it? Well, he was the Messiah. The area of that fig tree, in rabbinical teachings, that was called the place of the Adams. Right? <laughs> the Adams family. <laughs> right? That's probably the area where Adam and Eve went and made fig leaves after they fell. And Jesus came to curse it and say, no, 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 no. No longer will sin be covered. I'm here to eradicate sin. So there's reasons. But Jesus says this. He says this. Have faith in God. In the Greek, you could translate it, have faith in God, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. You could translate it any way. But notice it says this, have faith in God. Faith is something that you have, not something that you get. I know this is a little, but, but we need to know this. To have faith all you have to do is hear and believe God's word, right? When you hear God's word, like today, when I'm coming to church, I'm telling the Lord, listen, today, Father, I have ears to hear. Like right now, I'm preaching, but I'm listening, and I have ears to hear. That means when I hear his word, to hear it, I have to be, before I hear it, I come to a place where I'm like, whatever it tells me to do, I'm going to do. I'm not going to argue with it. 
I'm, I have ears to hear. If you're, if you're thinking, well, I just am coming to listen and I'll decide whether or not I'm going to do it, you won't hear anything. So faith comes by hearing God's word. See, I, I said this to the men, Satan will always tell you that you need more faith. Man, if you just had more faith, this would change. You got to get more faith. He's trying to get you in a works mentality, right? Do you know there's a book that was breathed by God himself that never tells you to get more faith? Never. What? Pastor, that's heresy. 800,000 words, never seen it. He never once says that. The Bible tells you to use the faith that you have. There's only one, one passage of scripture that even talks about an amount of faith. Only one, and it says, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed. Now, if you've ever seen that, a mustard seed looks kind of like if you're eating popcorn and you get something stuck in between your teeth, that's probably the size of a mustard seed. It's like a little sliver. It's so little. But it says if you had faith, even the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and it would obey you. Not the amount of faith. See, Satan is a liar. He'll always tell you that you don't have what God's given you. That he, he will always tell you that you're not good enough when you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in him. He'll always tell you, listen, you've just messed up too much and it's over. But it's, it is, that's a partial truth. Yes, Satan, you're right. It's over. I win. Right? No, but, no, but Tony, you messed up. Doesn't matter. Jesus didn't mess up. And his not messing up will fix my mess every time. The only place in the New Testament is grain of mustard seed. So, it's not about how much faith you have. Yeah, but pastor, man, I've been in this thing for a long time, right? I've shaken the hand of Brother Hagin himself. <laughs> what does that have to do with faith? Absolutely nothing. Well, let me talk about myself. I've listened to everything that Brother Hagin has ever taught. You know, when I went to Ramah, I had listened to his stuff so much and read his book so much, I would drive the girl next to me crazy because I would tell her what Brother Hagin was going to teach because he would always teach the same thing. Tiffany, remember? I'd lean over and go, hey, he's about to tell this story. Shh. You know, about one minute later, he starts telling the story. I'm like... And I wasn't walking in any faith. I could teach it but I wasn't really walking in it. I thought, I thought I was. Actually, at one point in time, I even came to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, why do I have to just do this faith thing? Can't I just have a break? And he's like, Tony, you're not in faith. <laughs> right? But then when I learned about faith, I'm like, oh, this is, 
this is so much easier than what I've been making it. I used to sit there and go, man, okay, got to break this down because I'm a, I'm a real principal guy, you know. Okay, what exactly did faith come first or belief? What's, and what's the difference between faith and belief and, you know, all these little things. And it's like I had this picture of myself believing God for something and I have 30 balls in the air. Okay, I got to do all this stuff just right. And God's up there going, time out. You know this whole faith thing, Tony? It's not based on you. It's based on Jesus. So relax. Right? And that's what we need to do. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen in the body of Christ. Lights are just going to start going on in people. Like as you guys are sitting here right now, You've heard so much word. There's so much word in you that you're not going to just all of a sudden, the light's going to go on and you're just going to start growing. Nope, you're just, the light's going to go on and you're going to go. And you're just going to sit there and go, whoa, this is awesome. I don't have to do this and that. Wow, because he just loves me. And oh my gosh, it's not my job to figure it out oh, the Holy Spirit really does lead us and guide us into all the truth. Oh, if I could teach that well enough, right? It's not about how strong you stand in faith. Faith is not about an amount. Faith is not about strength. It's not about that. It is about use. It's about use. It's not about size. I, I hope this is helping you. It's not about size. It's about use. Because many people are not using their faith because they don't think they have enough. Gosh, if I could just confess and talk like Pastor Tony. No, you're not Pastor Tony. Right? And that's okay. Okay. That's great. God made you who you are. You don't have to be able to stand up and just communicate stuff and flow and all that stuff. Actually, I flow. And that flow, I could get myself in trouble because I'm a talker. You know, my grandson, I think both of them are a lot like me. Micah never stops. <laughs> he never stops moving and never stops talking. Right? I'm losing weight just when he sits on... Because he doesn't just sit on your lap. He's falling here and doing this and, you know, right? Faith, think of it this way. It doesn't come by measure. Faith comes by choice. Today, you're choosing. Am I going to believe the word or am I not? And if you believe it, faith is there. And faith Faith will give substance to what you're hoping for. So look at this, verse 23. For verily I say unto you, that whoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have whatsoever he says. Verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them, 
and you'll have them. It's that simple. You know, I, I was teaching the guys uh, Saturday and last Tuesday about my faith walk. You know, years ago, there's like, there's like four principles that I always keep before me. And, uh, you know, it's ridiculous. I, I, had, I was telling my, we were, my daughter and I were talking about it. You know, and she's, she's actually taking notes. I'm like, I'll send you my notes. So, you know, I, I only had 22 pages of notes on this. So, they, so it was condensed a little bit. But, um, you know, I always think of these four things. It's like four legs on a table. Have you ever had a table that's supposed to have four legs? If there's only three, it doesn't work. If there's only two, it works even worse. One doesn't work at all, right? So the first one is you have to know your enemy. The first leg of that table is you got to know your enemy. You have to know how he comes. And you also have to know that whatever you're facing, is this from God or is this from him? You know, a lot of your fellow believers, they sit under the sovereignty doctrine that says, well, you know, God's in control of everything. Really? Man, he's doing a lousy job. Right? No, no, God is sovereign. And here's rule number one of sovereignty. Man's will on the earth during this time trumps his will. If you don't believe me, just look back at your life. You know, God wants you to meditate in the word day and night. Have you ever had, when you just stopped doing that, or when you haven't read your Bible, or when you have went out and done something God doesn't want you to do, have you ever had an angel just appear and go, you know, do that and your head's coming off right now? Nope, nope. Why? He just doesn't, that's not who he is. So you have to know who your enemy is. But the second thing is, if you're believing God for something, you can't have faith for something that you don't have scripture on. Right? So number two, you have to secure God's word. So if you're believing God for something, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So I always tell people, get two to three scriptures that tell you, that, that tell you that God has given you what you're believing him for. You have to do that, because why? So when those thoughts come, you can respond with the word of God and go, it is written, no, by his stripes I am healed. Right? I was telling the men that, that basically when the Lord spoke to Jeanette and I about pioneering a church in Omaha, there were three predominant scriptures. I think about them all day, every day. Joshua 1.5, Isaiah 54.17, and Psalm 1.3. All day long. When the enemy tells me that this church is not ever going to be what God wants it to be, I'm like, no. Nope. It is written. Right? Psalm 1-3. I'll yield all my fruit in my season. That means our church will yield all of its fruit in its season. That means when we see Jesus in the clouds, we will be up there and go, well, we reached everyone that we were supposed to reach. Now, judging by where our church is at right now, we've got a lot of work to do, right? But don't get stressed out about that. It's not you that has to do the work. It'll be the grace of God and the word of God that does the work, right? Whenever things don't seem to be going right, you know, Satan always makes sure you hear about everything negative that's ever spoken about you. 
But that's okay, because Psalm 1-3, I, you know, uh, I, I can, or Isaiah 54, I condemn all those words. They, they won't produce fruit. Right? I don't ever condemn the people. Actually, I, my goal in life is that no one will ever, ever have to deal with any sin that they've ever spoken against me. Because I tell the Lord, your word t- says whatever sins I remit, you'll remit them. So Father, forgive them for that. Don't hold it against them. I ask that you just bless them. Right? It's real easy for me to do that. Because have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever said or done things wrong? I don't want, I don't want justice. I want mercy. So I am going to show mercy. So when things seem to be like, okay, Gosh, we need to go here, but I just can't seem to go there. Oh, Joshua 1.5, no man will stand before you all the days of your life. Nothing will block me. See, I secure God's word. If it's healing, man, you've got Galatians 3.13. You've got Matthew 8.17. You've got Psalm 103, 1 through 6, Psalm 107.20. I could go on and on and on and on. You secure God's word. Number three, the third leg is a big one. You've got to maintain A pure heart. Proverbs 4 tells us to guard our heart with all diligence because out of our heart flow the issues of our life. We're we're not reading the scripture in Mark chapter 11, but verse 25 talks about the number one hindrance of faith, and that's unforgiveness. You got to maintain a pure heart, which means you have to have a fresh revelation that God loves you. Perfect love casts out fear, but also perfect love causes you not to shrink back. It causes you to have confidence before God, right? So you forgive others, and then you forgive that person that you really have sometimes trouble forgiving because you know this person better than you know anyone else. And all of you saw, you know, judging from your hair, right, you, you, you actually saw this person today. Because when you looked in the mirror, obviously your hair looks really nice. So you, you saw that person. It was you. Because we tend to beat ourselves up. you got to forgive yourself. You know, forgiving yourself, walking in a revelation of the love of God will make it the easiest thing in the world to forgive others. And if you have trouble forgiving others, just start praying in the Spirit. Say, Lord, I really want to pray for this individual. You might have to stir yourself a little bit, but man, I'm telling you, it'll connect with the love of God in your heart, and all of a sudden, you will love them that have despitefully used you. So you maintain a pure heart, and then the last leg, you need this leg, you've got to resist fear and doubt. You have to resist it. Because fear, that's the enemy. Do you know if there's no fear, the enemy can't work? He works in the environment of fear. So you resist fear and doubt. Well, what casts out fear? Perfect love. Guess where that's at? The love of God was shed abroad in your heart. Do you know your spirit man was literally designed to be able to know that God loves you and then to be able to walk that out as you love him and others? So these are just little points. Those are four things that I I do. That's how I walk all the time. So here's the next thing I want to talk about. In Luke, it says, 
that the person that hears the word of God and does it, I believe it's Luke chapter 6, is likened unto a man that dug, built a house and he dug deep and he founded his house upon a rock. And when, the, when, not if, when the storms came and it blew against that house, it couldn't shake the house. The house could not be shaken by any storm of life because the person dug deep and founded it upon a rock. And a lot of people think, well, okay, the rock is Jesus, yeah, which Jesus is the word, yes. But specifically, look at this. He's like a man, if you go to verse 47, look, pull verse 47 up there for him real quick. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to what he's like. So the person, the rock that he built his house upon is not just the word, it's him being a doer of the word. Right? You gotta be a doer of the word of God. James chapter one and verse 22 says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only this Greek word hears literally means one listening with no intention to practice what he hears. There's a lot of people, what I do on Sunday, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a really good Christian. I come to church every Sunday, but they're not coming to church based on hearing that they're going to do. It's like, oh, wait, don't time out. No, no, no. I, I'm a Christian I'll do this, but I'm not going to do this. Well, you're not hearing the word then, so that you're not in faith. You don't have a little faith, you have no faith. But oh, if you'll make a decision to just be a hearer, Romans 10 hearer means I'm going to hear with the intent of doing, because the doer is blessed. Don't be doers, or, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Look at what the hearer only does. He deceives his own self. Over the years, I've had people talk to me about how that they tithe. They're always bringing up tithing. And yet, in my spirit, I know they don't tithe. But they're talking about it like, they, well, what is that? They're self-deceived. There's even been times when I go ask my wife. I'm like, hey, you know, maybe I'm missing this, but does this person tithe? And, you know, we, we can't tell but you know, if you if you uh, if you make if you've tithed for 2021 a hundred dollars, mo most likely you're probably not tithing, right? Because I if you've only made a thousand dollars this year, man, you you'd probably be in trouble, right? So, but what is that? There's people that think they're in faith, but they're not in faith. They're self-deceived. I remember when we were believing God for a building. There was a building right behind Ambassador's Church off Fort. There, and now it's a storage area. We looked at this building. And I mean, I just, I'm like, you know, I think maybe, but I don't know. So I'm, I told Jeanette, I'm like, okay, I just need to get away and pray about this. Because we knew more about this building than anybody else. I didn't know it, but everybody in the church that I showed this building to, all the guys who had anything to do with contracting are walking away going, I sure hope, Pastor, I hope we don't get this bill. This, this is a nightmare, right? Well, I didn't know that. But so I'm, I'm in California. I'm sitting at a beach. God's talking to me about everything but the building. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to string this realtor around. I don't want to. We, 
we ha- I have to know. And finally, after so many days, the Lord goes, well, you already know. Have, has God ever done that to you? You're like, that, Lord, I know if you said I know, then I know. But could, it's kind of like when a guy talks to, when his wife is talking to him. There's been times when Jeanette is like, I need to talk to you. And she's explaining something that she needs me to change and do. And I'm looking at her. And after she's all done, I'm like, okay, sweetie, I love you. I want to do whatever you want me to do. So, uh, but I have no clue what you want me to do. <laughs> can, you, can you break it down a little bit more? And that's what I told the Lord. I'm like, Lord, okay, I know that I know, but I, can you just tell me? And he goes, just look down in your spirit. And I don't know really how to do that other than the fact I looked down in my spirit and this word came out of my spirit. It was like, it, have you ever seen like a, a thing of water and something kind of comes up? It, it was just the word settle. And the minute I saw the word settle, the Lord goes, Tony, you just think this is a building that the congregation can afford. You're not even in faith. And I'm like thinking, man, I've been in faith since 2007. So we came home and, you know, and I told our realtor, uh, no on that building. Next thing you know, uh, my wife, of course, being further ahead of me, usually, uh, she had secretly came over here and looked at this building. Leanne had said, hey, there's this, this remember, I don't know if you remember this, I heard of this Christian science church, it's, it's for sale, but our realtor said, oh, the sanctuary is just too small, it's kind of weird, you know, don't, so I'm like, I am not looking at this building, you know, I hate when I, I pull in the driveways of buildings, and I'm like, yep, that's not it, you know, and I was always the guy that was nixing everything. So I wouldn't look at it. She came, actually came over here, walked in. They're really nice people. They're having their little reading room things. And she's like, hey, do you, you know, I noticed this building's for sale. Do you mind if I look around? So she would tell me, she's like, hey, you know, we should probably look at this building. Me being the spiritual giant, I'm like, no, I'm not looking at this building, right? So the realtor says to me when I say no on the other building, he goes, hey, I went over and looked at that building. He goes, I think that could work for you guys. You should go look at it. So I told my wife, I'm like, hey, you know, we should look at that building. She's like, really? That's a great idea, you know? And when we walked in this building, which looked really different than it looks now, uh, I mean, really different. These people love turquoise. Everything was turquoise. If you were a Miami Dolphin fan, man, you would have loved it, right? But, you know, we walked in this building, and we're like, I looked at Jeanette, and I'm like, what are these people doing in our building? The Lord even told me how much we were going to get it for, you know, and, uh, and, and just, it's cool. But, you know, this is the thing. you got to be a doer of the word. The doer of the word does what? Confesses the word and lives the word. Speaking the word sometimes and speaking your circumstances other times does not work. So what do you do when you speak the circumstances? Stop yourself. Right? Just stop yourself and say, whoa, wait a minute. Father, I curse those words that I've just spoken. I don't believe them. I believe. And then you say, it is written. And just move on. You have to speak the word. Verse 23, for if any be a hearer, Again, just a listener 
of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That word glass literally in the Greek means a mirror. It says here, for he beholds himself, he looks in the mirror, and then he goes his way. Do you know this is a lot of people, this is describing a lot of people who come to church. They actually behold something in a mirror. God's talking to them a little bit. They're talking to them about changes. But then when service is over, they immediately go their, their way. And, and look what happens when you go your way and straightway or at once you forget what manner of man that he was. What do you mean he was? The man that he was when he was looking into the mirror of the word of God. So every time, if you govern your life by your senses, what will manifest every time? Unbelief. Or I should say fear and unbelief. But for some people, it's unbelief because just it's, 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 it's fear, which really is a form of pride and unbelief. If you listen to the word, you're like a man looking into a natural mirror. But verse 25 says, but whoso looks, and this is a key, the word looks here means to look and to keep on looking into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed or in his doing. Always know this, thoughts will always precede actions. Therefore, stay near the word by keeping the word in your thought life. I mean, I don't know how, to, how you want to do it. Write a scripture down in your phone and keep it when you're working and look at it. Write it on a card and speak it over your life. It's not the amount of the word. When you're reading your Bible, every one of you should have a time when you're just reading the word of God. But when a scripture jumps out at you or like you're hearing a sermon and a scripture jumps out at you, Write that down and start speaking it over your life. Start speaking it over and over and over again with your mouth. And what will happen, that will help you get that word in your heart. And then the Holy Spirit will communicate with your spirit about that scripture and will actually open that verse to you. And when, when he opens it on the inside, that we call that revelation knowledge. And now your spirit gains spiritual understanding, revelation knowledge of that word. And now your spirit will communicate that by a thought to your mind. And we call that the renovation of your mind. You see right, you're going to believe right, and you're going to speak right. But you got to see right. You have to see right. The difference between the hearer and the doer, according to this scripture, is what they see. Satan will paint a picture of your life that's kind of hopeless, won't he? Don't let him do that. You have great, great hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it says here, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says that you be not slothful. That means lazy. 
Don't be lazy, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You want to be around people that are laying hold of things. So what releases patience is meditating in the word of God. You receive everything through faith and patience. Patience is a supernatural fruit of your spirit. It literally, what it does, it's a force. It will come out of your spirit and it will undergird your mind so that you keep your eyes on Jesus and keep his word in your mouth until that thing falls and changes in line. But what releases patience is you have to meditate in the word. And now we know why very few people in the body of Christ are laying hold of anything because they're not meditating, right? I don't have time to meditate. I watch YouTube all day long or the Victory Channel all day long. I have heard 25 sermons today. If you talk to me about what I've heard, I don't even know. It's just was really good and I feel really good, but I have no idea, right? But boy, it was good. See, we're, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage. The Bible says that in the last days that men who are lovers of their own selves, they will heap teachers unto themselves who will itch their ears. So I look at the Victory Channel, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, Bill Winston, I like him, and ooh, him, I like, oh, this guy, eh, you know, I don't like him, and then YouTube, oh, man, I, you know, I could listen to everything. Oh my gosh, I could just, you know, I'm just, and, and I like him, but I, I'm not going to listen to him. And, and so then they come to church where God's planted them. And, and they're dangerous because they're a charismatic Christian. Because a charismatic Christian that does not meditate in the word of God is not like a mainline denominational Christian. A mainline denominational Christian will go, Yeah, we've had 13 pastors in the last 20 years. You know, most of them I didn't like. A couple of them I did, but I'm not leaving because this is where I go to church. I live here and I go to church here. But we have evolved. We're Holy Spirit-filled believers who don't meditate in the Word of God because we already walk in so much revelation. No, we walk in more knowledge, head knowledge, but not revelation. Because this is what we do, because we're so used to this one and that one. You talk to a denominational guy, he's like, you do what? You actually sit in your living room and watch TV and watch preachers? Right? But no, no, we're charismatics. I'm kind of meddling, but I feel a flow here. And so, so what we do is then we come to our church where God's planted us, and the word's very clear when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. When you're planted where God plants you, But this is what happens. Man, I've been sitting here, I've been listening to this pastor so long, and, you know, I've learned everything. So now the Lord is leading me. The Lord is leading me to go somewhere else. And we're one God told me away from doing anything we want to do. And we think it's God because we're self-deceived, So how do you guard yourself? How many of you are susceptible to that? Starting with me. See, this is what happens to people in my office. Oh, God told me I need to move somewhere else and start another church. Or God, I remember when we first started the church, my mom, there was a church in California 
uh, a fairly large church that was listening to teaching and they're like, they needed a pastor and they, they really liked what they were hearing from me. So they wanted me to come out, you know, and, and my mom goes, so can you, you know, can, can this board member call you? I go, no, we were in a cafeteria at Elkhorn Ridge middle school. She goes, what do you mean? No. She goes, Tony, you've always wanted to live in California. I'm like, mom, I know I'm, I'm finally in the will of God. I know right where I'm supposed to be. She's like, well, will you at least look at the website? Because it's a pretty cool church. No. My mom's mad at me. She's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, mom, why? I'm doing what God's called me to do. Right? So what am I saying? How do you know? How do you know you must meditate in the word of God? You have to meditate in the word of God. Because when you meditate in the word, you'll start getting revelation of the word and the word will feed your spirit so that your spirit can keep your flesh under. Right? This is so important. So, so very important. Patience is released by the quality decision in Jesus' name to stand on the word of God through meditating in the word of God. Meditating as you're believing it and you're speaking it and believing it and speaking it. Patience released and it makes you a pit bull. You'll stay until that circumstance falls. And it has to fall because the word is true. Amen?